Welcome back to Laser Discourse. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm Charlie. I am Nick. We are here talking about laser discs and movies the, on them. <laughs> and the movies on them. Uh, today's movie is uh, very near and dear to our hearts. Uh, it's a very special film. No, it's uh, Star Trek First Contact. <laughs> <laughs> a very special edition. A very special edition of the 1996 sci fi action film. In the Star Trek franchise, uh, Star Trek Next Generation, to be uh, exact. STTNG for my uh, Trekheads out there. Hey, all you Trekheads, you know, you know what we're saying. Trek Trekheads. We're Is talking. That a, that's the thing. We're now. talking Jean Luc Picard. We're talking Riker. We're talking Data. We're talking Beverly Crusher. We're talking Beverly Crusher. We're talking Counselor Deanna Troy. Yes, both we're of whom do not Lieutenant get enough. Lieutenant Jordy LaForge. Yeah, yeah. We're talking everybody. Worf is in this. Worf. We're talking Worf. Commander Worf. Right? Come on. He is he is commander in this. How good does he's it no get? longer lieutenant? Oh yeah, he's he's up the ranks mm-hmm. as they do in these movies. But uh, yeah, this is our, our uh, as far as Star Trek on this uh, podcast. This will be our first entry. So why not make it right towards the end there? Let's of, just jump into the golden era of the canon. Yeah, um, I think this Star Trek First Contact in '96 is the second to last feature that got released on laserdisc uh the one after this insurrection did make it to laserdisc right but i don't currently own that one hint hint you listeners out there um but i do own basically every other star trek movie no you do and about five discs worth of the old episodes so yes we thought we'd start at the end work our way backwards um but this one actually first contact is a great movie because it details the first contact which is almost the origin of the star trek mythos it really is the first contact of humans uh by another speaky uh, or well, i guess interstellar species yes an extraterrestrial uh, species um which basically kicks off the whole federation the whole mm-hmm. uh you know getting rid of money and then having this utopia of exploration and, mm-hmm. and bettering yourself and so and this movie really kind of gets back to the basics back to the beginning <laughs> we get will. to see where it all started they detect the warp signature and they're like maybe these guys got something else uh, for us maybe we it. should reach out and make First, first contact. contact. Yes, it's in the title, right um, there. It's very aptly named. <laughs> but uh, this one's got it all. It's got time travel. It's got the holodeck. It's got uh, the Borg. The Borg, you oh. guys. The Borg. Where the do we Borg. start, Nick? I, I mean, love honestly, to hate the Borg. They're let's so start with hateable. the Borg. Oh man, uh, because the Borg make it make their debut in the television series, The Next Generation, like in the in the nineties, like right when it. Like in the third season, maybe they're uh, so they oh, and they're just like, where did this come from? You know, they're they're awful. They're uh, basically like a hive mind that just conquers race after race and after hold planet on, let's back after up. planet. A Borg is yeah. is short for cyborg. You may have guessed it's a cybernetic Ooh. organism. That one went it right is, over my head. It I is gotta a, tell you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're half machine and half human or yes. half organic whatever yeah there you go and uh, they assimilate other races to become borg because that makes them now perfect in their borgy view yeah so they're uh, trying to make everything the borg basically yeah which as one of the characters points out sounds swedish <laughs> the Borg, yes. Yeah. Sounds Swedish. How many Borgs are at Ikea right now? Probably you have a Borg in your home right they now. They kind of look Swedish, too. A lot yeah. of black clothes, uh-huh. pale skin. My favorite Borg, though, <laughs> is the Schmorgus, as we all know. 
I wish I had a better one than that, but I don't think we're going to. No, you're not going to be smorgas. But yeah, you kind of uh, going into this movie, you kind of have to know what the Borg are because we get right to it. It jumps in and it just is like pedal to the metal the whole time. Yeah, we are. Uh, the first shot is this great opening shot of uh, from from Captain Jean-Luc Picard's eyeballs uh out to the entire Borg ship because he's been assimilated in this flashback. Mm-hmm. And then we have a flashback, and then we realize it's a nightmare. It's a flashback and a flashback. Mm-hmm. A couple of little uh, nightmares to start you off. But the Borg are attacking the Federation when we begin. We are, we're right in the midst of it, in the battle. And the reason that this makes so much sense, to, out of all the aliens and all the problems that the Star Trek Enterprise uh, crew could uh, uh, encounter, Starship Enterprise, excuse me. You got it. Uh the Borg is so appropriate because Captain Picard was assimilated yes. as a Borg. He's the only person to ever be assimilated and then de-assimilated, uh, you know, as a Borg. So he is like, he's got all the experience. There's mm-hmm. like this underlying subplot of a revenge thing. Is he doing what's best for the ship or is it personal? You know, you never really get to the bottom of that until a very confrontational scene in the second half of the movie. But it's really well chosen. I, I think this was my favorite uh, Star Trek enemy, mm, mm-hmm. the Borg, because y- you really just don't expect them to lose. They are they are kind of like the biggest threat. Yeah, like you really feel a genuine threat. They kind of have a, have a uh, uh, alien like the H.R. Uh, Geiger kind of look to them. Yeah. so they're actually kind of genuinely scary. They got a they bit look of a horror. Creepy. Yeah, they they, they got these of... tubes coming out of them. Oh, it's yeah, like the it's cybernetic gross. eyeball, like the red thing over their eyes. So one of their eyes is a machine eye, and right. one is a regular eye. It's got that. Phantom of the Opera creepiness look to it. It's like a, a little bit like the Terminator as well. Kind of, A little yeah. bit like the Cenobites from the Hellraiser movies mm-hmm. who are all decked out in like the BDSM kind of leather gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot of just ugly stuff going on with the yeah. Borg. But uh, yeah, at first the Federation doesn't even want Picard and them helping out in the, in the movie here because of the past experience. They thought he was too close to it. Yeah, so then we have to listen on the radio as the entire Federation just gets their butt kicked mm-hmm. by the Borg before you know the Enterprise finally says, uh, what is it that Data says? Uh, to hell with their orders. Yeah, I think that's it. You I, know, I think uh, I speak for the crew when I say to hell with their <laughs> to orders. To hell sir. with the orders. I, I thought that was a very nice way of saying it. Yeah, very reserved, uh, but... Uh, Data's always had that kind of underlying trying to be more human, you know, plot That's his line. goal. That's his whole, his like, whole, his goal is to arc. become more human. It's his, his journey. And that really takes kind of center stage here. Uh, because the Borg's the goal movie. is yeah. to make those human-like people more, more Borg, to mm-hmm. make them more perfect. And Data's goal in their view is to become less perfect. That's They're like, true, why yeah. would anybody want to become less perfect and it, so he becomes like the Borg queen, which I love the forward thinking of this. The, the leader of this Borg race is a, is a woman. <laughs> let's just let's just say we have not in our short 300 right. years as a country had a woman leader. <laughs> but yet this whole entire alien species. Something to aspire to. Yeah. I mean, the Borg can teach us a lot well, of things. Uh, yeah. I, Unification. I, solidarity. I, f- <laughs> I feel like that, that the whole idea of even having a... Uh, leader of the Borg was something that was very kind of contra- contradictional. It didn't uh, make a contradictory. lot of sense with what we know about the Borg yes. already. Because there's supposed to be just one giant it's, hive mind. There is now. no one leader. Like the, There's no top Borg. There's no one Borg is better than the other Borg. They're right. all just one coexisting organism. Yeah. 
And but we do get like a queen bee. There's here. a queen Borg. Yeah. She organized. What does she say? She organizes the chaos, or something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we'll 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 get to her more in a second. But basically, the 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 big plan of the Borg, because of course Jean Luc, as soon as he shows up to fight the Borg, he knows the exact spot to hit them, mm-hmm. and he they, blows up their ship. They destroy the cube in like three seconds. So it, the Borg cube good is call this, Federation. The ship is this giant cube. Yes. Of like all these, it looks like wires and tubes and it whatever, does. and it's just it's like Rubik's cube from hell. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of spaghetti. You know? <laughs> yeah, but again, very kind of H.R. Geiger, just like mm-hmm. tubes and yeah, machinery and. And so Picard blows his. He knows how to do it. He tells everyone shoot at this spot. All the the ships that are left, they shoot at that spot. And look, it blows up. It blows up instantaneously. But right before Movie it blows over. up, good night. <laughs> it spits out a little Borg ball. Yeah, the and Borg that, ball I love. That Borg ball <laughs> somehow opens a time portal, goes through the time portal. Uh, and this, did I mention this is a documentary, by the way, about the <laughs> origins of, of the, the human race reaching out to true. the aliens. Well, anyway, so, they, and then the, the Enterprise naturally follows it through. Of course. The time portal. You're going to go through the portal. And yeah. they go from uh, 25th century space mm-hmm. uh, outside of Earth to... 20 mid 21st 2063 i believe they said 2063 i believe yeah uh yeah. the 2060s which uh mm-hmm. not too far away brother right not Mm-mm. too far away no i'm just, <laughs> I'm just counting the days man <laughs> uh yeah we uh we go back in time which is a hallmark of all my favorite star trek adventures oh just a my little favorite bit of adventures in general yeah have exactly a lot of time travel but this is after world war three so yeah yeah, that was kind of disconcerting, right? Like, uh, even in Star Trek lore, there, things get much worse before they get better. Like, yeah. Before the utopia, we've got to go through World War Three and s- what a, what was it, like 600 million people dying? And, yeah, like, that's terrible. It's like, hmm. Not good. Hmm, hmm. Well, I think we're right about that time Mm-mm. in the timeline. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, they go back. They're trying to uh, disrupt, disrupt. Uh, the, the Borg are trying to disrupt the, uh, the timeline the but by, by disrupting the launch that would lead to first contact so that they can assimilate the Earth. And, and they uh, see a glimpse right before they go into the uh, portal of the Earth in the 25th century uh, as it has been assimilated yeah. by the Borg. That was pretty cool, actually. I like that visual a lot. That looks neat. <laughs> yeah, a lot of great visuals. The, 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 the concept art on this was very good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's a good thing to bring up because, yeah, even in that one shot of the Earth under the Borg, you kind of you see Florida and there's no oceans. It's all been dried out. And it's all mechanical. And you see these tunnels and tubes stretching out across the country, even from yeah. the space view. Very cool. Uh, concepts very kind like of yellowish dim lighting right very yeah uh, and the borg scary. yeah the borg themselves all uh just yeah they just all look really cool they have the mechanical arms with the little blades and saws and they're and all like this them. this pale silvery white yeah all glistening yeah <laughs> they're all painted somehow yeah yes i know there was a there's a scene so basically what happens is once they uh don't Kind of well, they they try to disrupt the launch. The crew goes down there and saves the main guy, Zephyrin Cochran. Right? Is that was his name? Cockburn. 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 Zephyrin yeah. something played by James Cromwell, who's a great character actor. But yeah, he I'll, really. I'll, yeah. I'll get into him more later, but uh, yeah. The, the, so how? So then the movie kind of splits into two movies at this point. You have the ground crew who's trying to get the launch back up to date. That's uh, Riker and Jordy and uh, a couple other people. Uh, Counselor Troy. Counselor Troy. And then you have the crew 
that's still on the spaceship. And now, somehow, I don't remember how, the Borg ended up infiltrating the, the Enterprise. Like, yeah, they, they start taking over decks. I didn't see how they got on there. I think one got on. And, it just takes one. And then, yeah, and they start They're assimilating. They're like bugs, these Borg. They are. You know, you see one, there's a hundred, mm-hmm. you know, right around the corner. And they're just in my bed. That's what <laughs> I, I hate I'm, it. Look, honey, I'm sorry. It was the Borg. Too many Borg. You know what happens. Yeah. Um, you, get a, you get a mattress from the Salvation Army and it's full of Borg. <laughs> it just happens. <laughs> you can't. Ha- yeah. You, you got to burn my, that mattress. I'm sorry. It's too bad. Yeah. So then we have basically two movies where now we're fighting the Borg on the Enterprise. Plus, we're trying to basically rebuild a ship. Uh, and convince this drunken uh, Zephyrin guy to make history and then uh, not disrupt the timeline all at the same time. Yeah, so, the prime directive, uh, as yeah. Star Trek fans will know, you is know. to not uh, you know, do anything to like interrupt right. the natural progression of how don't, the species goes. Don't you know? mess up shit. Yeah. That's the prime directive. Yeah. Don't screw it up, mm-hmm. all right? <laughs> don't change the course of history. Don't change the course of a planet's history or, you know? or a civilization's history. Yeah. So and, they're uh, trying to make all of this happen. And But at the same time, they're directly participating in it by helping mm-hmm. him uh, with the tools he wouldn't have had at the right. time and organizing things and telling him, oh, no, you, you launched this. It's going to be all good. And, oh, and then you make contact oh. with these races. and We build statues after exactly. you. And not, yeah, not only do they tell him that it works, they tell him, you are going to be history's number one guy. Yeah. You are changing the course of human I history. I just think that also lot changes the course of history. When, you, when somebody knows that everything they do is going to be successful, that changes how you approach it. I, I just, I don't see That's, how that... Uh, yeah. I'm it's a little th- contradictory there. It's a paradox. It is. Is, is what it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's uh, something that scientists even today are trying to go by. Uh, whatever you observe, you end up kind of changing even a little bit. Yeah. And no, something it's, knows it's being it's observed. It's the, uh, the Homer and the toaster principle. As we all know from The Simpsons, when uh, Treehouse <laughs> of Horror, he gets that toaster that he puts him back into time. And every little thing he does uh, creates a different future. And when the toast pops up, he goes back to his time. And as we know, even the slightest little step on a plant or a yep. bug in prehistoric times will create a radically different oh, future. I, I wish, I wish I didn't squish that fish. Or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a great episode. And I is. love when Homer just goes nuts and is like, "Wreck everything!" He just starts bashing. And that's everything. when it's raining donuts. <laughs> yeah, and they have to take the kids to school in their <laughs> modestly priced mid-sized luxury vehicle or yeah. something like that. What we're saying is the Simpsons did it first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. But uh, yeah, so I love how yeah these two movies kind of don't interact for the rest of the of the length of first contact you've got the guys on the ground don't know what's going on on the enterprise the guys on the enterprise don't know what's going on on the ground there's no communication it's a plot fork that never really reconnects yeah which i love uh because it's like two movies for one one is a very light-hearted it's like the episodes uh yeah i've been watching a lot of sttng absolutely on netflix (laughs) thank thank the lord for netflix and their their show choices lately but yeah, so uh, this is I'm uh, almost finished with the series, and this is back when a, a season had 26 episodes. Oh, I know. So it's a lot of. Uh, there was like 700 episodes. I've been doing this for a long TNG, time, wasn't and there? Yeah. yeah, seven <laughs> seasons, man. It's crazy, and it's it's all relevant to this movie because the plot lines match up. Yep, like they don't explain a lot of it, but it's still like I remember. Oh, that's because of this, and even when Data said his. His last uh, uh, sexual arousal <clears throat> was uh, that 
that time ago. I remember that episode. Yeah. Oh, there, it's in real time. Yeah, yeah. He's like eight years ago is when I had sex. He's like, yeah, that tracks because mm-hmm. 96 to I think, you know, 88 yeah, or yeah. whatever it was uh-huh. when the episode airs. Yeah. And then uh, Picard says six years ago he got assimilated. And that's like from 96 to 90. Right. Like they're there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, that. it works. It, the timelines are following surprisingly work the out. The series is in real time. But that's what, what I, like. I love about being so familiar with this crew is that it's it's pretty accurate to mm. how they would act in this show and if you think the show is just like a super long movie as far as character development goes you you have all this time a show is basically all character development mm. like every good episode should advance the one of the characters or more in some memorable way that later becomes something as a touchstone for you to go this is why they're going to do this or this why this makes sense because i remember when they did that it it works with their character. Like a good show will Absolutely. will not have many conflicts without explaining it. And I think this movie had the 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 task of using these super well developed characters, mm-hmm. and they didn't really have a lot of wiggle room because the fans, Star Trek fans, will point out, no, that's out of character. There's no way Doctor Crusher would have done this or that or. You know, so they had this uphill kind of battle already, and I think they did a good job with maintaining that accuracy of the character. Good point, yeah. And that makes me think of how, uh, you know, when those original Star Trek movies came out in 79 and in the 80s, that was more than a decade removed from when those original shows were on the air. So you mm-hmm. you had these characters who could be a little different. Yeah. And we're talking 96. I mean, the show was still... It was on until like it was, mid-90s, right? Yeah, I feel like this was right around, like they made this, they released this after the series was right, finished. Right. right. Like a couple, a but, year but, or two after. But we're talking years rather than yeah. like a decade. Right? Yeah. So these are very, like the Borg is something that is in the popular, you know, Oh yeah, frame. it had been uh, introduced, I want to say like five or six years prior. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, and, and I remember that being a big cliffhanger in the show. It was. It was back a, in the uh-huh. uh, back in the day. It was a very it, pivotal episode. It ended one season with him being assimilated or him being a part of the Borg. And then, you know, that was the whole cliffhanger over the summer. And, and then, then he is, yeah. And, you know, and how does he get out of this yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. So you're talking very, rel- you know, very um, recent kind of characters. Like it made me think of like in Wrath of Khan, you know, Khan was a character that showed up in the series, you know, 15 years earlier yeah. than the movies. But I think the time, uh, you know, let uh, gave them more freedom to right. play around in a way that they might not have had the chance to. That's kind of what I was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh but do, do you think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I watched less of The Next Generation uh, than you have. I certainly haven't been binge-watching it lately like you have. But it did seem like, um, especially with Data, yeah, they were really pulling from a lot of stuff that you had to know from the show. Yeah, I think he was the emotional core. Him and Picard mm-hmm. were really the only two emotional characters, uh, you know, recurring characters in this for me. Everyone right. else was just kind of advancing the plot and doing their thing, but Picard's struggle with being assimilated and Data's journey to become more human, which, you know, the leader of the Borg, she gives him some real skin, turns back on his emotion chip, which oh, yeah. I love that yeah, scene. Yeah, she does. When, when, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so uh, Picard suggests that Data maybe turn off his emotion chip mm-hmm. because he said he's feeling anxiety and he cracks his neck and he. And Picard goes, oh, Data, sometimes I envy you. Yeah. 
I yeah, I think all humans could uh, relate to that, envying that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Data's pretty much held prisoner for most of this movie by the Borg Queen, and and she's trying to give him trying to get him to give up these uh, computer codes so that they can hack the rest of right. the, the, the starship. Yeah. This is really kind of what they're trying to do. They're trying to assimilate the whole starship. So, uh, yeah, you just have these battle after battle where the, the Star Trek crew, is the Enterprise crew, is, is phasing, you know, hitting them with the phasers, but they adapt, the Borg adapts. And then, and then three seconds later, that does nothing. It does nothing, yeah. So you're kind of having this stalemate battle going on down there. Meanwhile, they're just trying to keep Zephyr and Cochran... Uh, sober down on planet earth yes. that's really the only like plot thing that happens on earth i feel like there was no tension in that not at all in, in the rocket i didn't sequence. care about that at all because they're like oh we can easily rebuild the rocket oh yeah this copper wire is perfect you know the whole the whole crux they're of the just plot telling was just, him how like, famous he is in their time right he tries to run away like once but Jordy's got the advanced eyes, so he can see him so through the Jordy's trees. So Jordy's visor is no longer uh, oh, yeah, in were, this. Yeah, and you, I was a little I disturbed. Tell you, were, you were upset but, about that. So they, I guess they put the functionality of his visor into his actual eyeballs, yeah. which I missed. Or their robot eyeballs or I, something. Yeah, I, mean. I must have missed from the previous movie. Well, maybe I, I bet you are about to get to that in the series. Maybe. You know, that probably seems like I don't something remember they did at the if they did the it in the series or in the previous movie. Because I'm trying to because I think it was this, the movie before this. It was generations, generations which was the old cast. I want to say he already had cast. the eyes in generations. I think maybe they introduced the eyes. Hmm. In that maybe, one. maybe they did introduce the eyes. Yeah. Probably some sequence where they're just like, "Hey, your new eyes came in." He's like, "Oh Great. yeah, check it out." <laughs> right, oh, you can do everything. Yeah, yeah. I know that for for a show that has so much techno babble, like Star Trek: The Next Generation, it's mm-hmm. very much known for like talking about the oh, warp. Oh and the, god, and the, the tachyon field. Yeah, exactly. They really do kind of just go, "Yeah, we just travel through the warp and we go through the time." Like they really do have a lot of. It this looks where... like they've created a subspace distortion. <laughs> okay, well, all right, let's great. Follow it. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to follow the subspace distortion. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I need to know. Why didn't you say so earlier? <laughs> oh, we're all familiar with subspace distortions. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There's only one kind, and we all know what it does. Yeah. <laughs> it so does do, the thing we need it to do right now. Yeah, I, I do love that, where it's just kind of like the Borg kind of give up on that whole planet Earth idea once they try to take over the Enterprise. So they're spending the whole time trying to assimilate the starship. And they kind of forget right. that they like, uh, you know, originally tried to missile. Uh, they just try the to rocket. blow up the the original first contact yeah. ship. They yeah. try it once, but then once they and try, they it, give up. They don't check on it again. Yeah, they they don't. <laughs> so the the Borg are chasing around the captain uh, on the ship. Uh, the captain and uh, his. So they they rescue someone from the Earth. Uh, right in the old time, because you know she's about to die. They bring in a sick bay on the ship. That's right. She escapes. Now, the captain finds her. He's running away from the Borg with her. They go to the holodeck, and I oh, love yeah. the holodeck. Got to talk about the holodeck. They always go into these, like, books. Like, he, mm-hmm. he goes into this, like, mobster Chicago scene mm-hmm. book, uh, and they have to, like, dress the part, and it's so great. And he's looking for Nicky the Nose in, the, in this club, this nightclub, and he finds him. And he grabs his Tommy gun and he shoots the Borg <laughs> as they're coming in the door. That That is so great. In of itself is worth the price of admission. That whole scene. Yeah. Because, yeah, you've got Picard in the white tuxedo dinner oh, I jacket. I love it. Yes. Busts out the Tommy gun out of the violin case. And it just, yeah, Tommy guns these Borg guys down. Yeah. 
Oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Mwah. Yeah, I really do like that a lot. Fantastic. <laughs> and that is our turning point after he kills those that two boys. That is. Boards. The holodeck is with, our turning with point. With the Tommy gun. They're yeah. like, you know, uh, try to try to assimilate to this old technology, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. I love when they talk about, yeah, it took off the safety measures so even a holographic uh, bullet can kill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that checks oh, out. Makes sense. Gotcha. Thanks. Got it. <laughs> well, now that you put it that way, I, I see. completely yeah, yeah. understand. And that is our turning point. Yeah, that's a good one. And then we got to flip the disc and uh, we continue onward. and With Data feeling sexy. Oh, yeah. Oh, is that where we F. get the Data scene? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's just like touching his hair on his newfound skin and it raises up and he, she asks him, when was it? When did you last feel a pleasure emotion? And he says... Eight years, 22 days, Mm -hmm. seven minutes, and... If you're talking Mm -hmm. about sexuality, I am fully functional, (laughs) is, I believe, the quote. That is my new pickup line. Yeah. I have to work that into every conversation. Yeah. (laughs) I am fully functional. I mean, if you're speed dating, let's get to it, right? I am fully functional. Uh, Yeah, this movie is PG-13, and I kind of want to say that uh, this that scene is maybe why it was PG thirteen. I believe so. It was very sensual. Mm-hmm. It was an adult situation mm-hmm. for sure. It was about as adult as it gets. Fully functional. And uh, yeah, if you if you had told me that Data was going to make out with a Borg queen uh, halfway through this movie, I'd have, I would have said I'll I'll, I'll watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested. I'd, I'd have invited you to leave the room. For <laughs> But it just kind of just surprises you, you know, it and really you're does. like, oh, they're oh, they're oh, this is happening. Oh, <laughs> my. Yeah. Oh. And then, yeah, I thought the scene with Data smoking a cigarette in bed afterwards was a bit <laughs> crass. I didn't think they needed that. Say what you will about uh, the Borg, but they are efficient. They, they get to the point. That's true. They 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 get what they want. But they don't get those codes. They do not get the no codes. codes. Yet. No codes. No. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm like, at some point in this movie, I feel like I lost kind of the thread of what was happening on the ship because at one point they're like magnetic boots and they're walking on the outside of the I spaceship. I totally missed why they like were doing something that. happened where this, this movie had such a way of like throwing the plot ahead with like one line yeah. or like two lines mm-hmm. or explaining a plot point kind of mm-hmm. in a throwaway. You really have to piece. pay attention. Yeah. I think we would like, I would like grab a thing of popcorn and then be like, wait, what's going on? Why yeah. are they, why are they in spacesuits now? But at some point the Borg, I think were maybe trying to set up another tractor beam or some kind of weapon weapon maybe maybe they were trying to shoot it again an external weapon yeah because they were locked out of the controls or something for a while and i think they were trying to set up this external weapon to uh shoot the launch site that's probably what was going on yeah why they never got that other attack off because yeah then picard and Worf and uh the other guy the the red shirt of the operation who what was his name hawkins hawkins yeah star trek movies are great for having these guys who are in the crew um just for the movies, like you had Kirstie Alley, uh, you know, in a one of the old uh, Star Trek movies, she was on the crew. Ah, uh, yeah. You had uh, in Star Trek Six, you have Christian Slater just showing up for like one line, mm-hmm. and even in this movie, we missed it at the beginning. But Adam Scott, a very young Adam Scott from Parks and Recreation, plays like a mm-hmm. a, a lieutenant or something on Worf's uh, ship. But um, yeah, he's like in one of the opening scenes. But yeah, the guy who plays Hawkins is this, or Lieutenant Hawk. It's just Hawk, I guess. Uh, Neil McDonough, a uh, great character actor. He was in Minority Report, and he was in the first Captain America 
movie. Um, so he's been around. There's a lot of just cool kind of character actors in this, but is he that guy for this you this know, episode? There's. I was trying to figure out which that guy I want to do, and I think I am going to do James Cromwell just because I really do love James Cromwell. He plays uh, Zephyr, uh, and uh, I, I'm not even sure I get that name right, but but you know him best as the farmer from Babe. He has that'll the, do the iconic that'll do that'll pig, do pig uh, line. But uh, yeah, I just love his. He's he's kind of a lanky older guy. He always plays. Um, Actually, he's usually a villain, if I'm remembering correctly. Hmm. He's like a villain in L.A. Confidential. Oh, he's the villain. He's Dudley Smith. He's yes. the warden in The Green Mile. Mm-hmm. And there was something else. He's, But he was, I think he, is he still with us? James Cromwell. Yeah, it looks like he's still with us. He's still acting. He was in one of the Jurassic Worlds recently. Wow. Uh, actually, the one last year. So, yeah, he's still acting. He's he's one of those guys where you see him and you would you would recognize him, but maybe not know so what he from? is he is a perfect fit for that guy. He is that guy, and uh, he's he does TV. You know, he was on American Horror Story. He's been on uh, Boardwalk Empire. Charlie, who's that guy? James Cromwell. All right. Who's that guy? We have to get some sound effects. Uh, but there's let's a lot go, of great who's that guy. Let's get guys. our intern to make some sound effects. You know what's a great cameo in this movie that I want to make sure we, we bring up is Robert Picardo as the holographic doctor. Oh, uh, yes. Now, this is a character that shows up in Star Trek Voyager, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe in Deep Space Nine as well. But mm. um, he's the holographic doctor in Voyager. And it's a, there's a great scene where the Borg are uh, trying to infiltrate the sick bay. And Crusher, the doctor, she says something to the effect of, I swore I would never do this. And then commands the holographic doctor to turn on. So mm-hmm. it's a great little plot like of why we wouldn't have never seen him because she refuses to use a hologram. Right. You know, yeah, assistant. why has he been there the whole time and you've just never used it's it? It's a program but... that they've just had on yeah, yeah. on standby. Uh-huh. And uh, she uses him as a deterrent. But Robert Picardo, he's great in that role. And, and he has this great little moment there. Love it. He's good too. He's a great guy. But yeah. he's not great that character. guy. He's not that guy. Not that guy. Not yet. Not this time. Okay. Not this time. He's got potential. Maybe when we do the howling, I'll do Robert Picardo as that guy. He's great. <laughs> In the howling. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so okay, so back to the the plot here. Data's feeling sexy, but Picard orders the ship to be evacuated and destroyed, right? So the Borg can't assimilate yes. the whole ship. And he goes back to find Data he's while not, the countdown is happening. He's not very willing to to make, give that order. You remember he has a whole thing where he... Uh, he called Worf a coward. He calls Worf a coward and for wanting to abandon ship. And I, I thought this was a bit... uh Yeah, I thought this was a bit rough from Picard. And but, out of character for Worf, because Worf would rather die in battle than run away from, like, anything, yeah. you know? So I thought that was a little out of character for Worf to be so adamant about mm-hmm. leaving. But I wonder if he's also just, uh, you know... He knows the battle is lost. It's kind of one of those. Yeah, no, I think they're it's, trying it's a to make that. suicide mission at yeah, this They're point. using that knowledge uh, against me. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. That's how strongly he feels about this. Yeah. He's, you know, maybe it's it speaks to how scary the Borg are. It's they the are only really thing scary. that can scare Worf. Yeah. But Picard doesn't want to do it. He, he smashes his display case. No, mm-hmm. we must draw the line here. Yeah. Yeah. Which really. Good. If you've listened to our past episode on Back in Action, Billy Blank saying, hiya, was very much the way that. Uh, Patrick Stewart yeah. goes to say, yeah, we must draw the line here. So he goes <laughs> to find Data and uh, he finds Data. He does find and Data. And it appears that Data has been uh, assimilated, for lack of a better term. 
but kind of anti-assimilated. Well, right? they By, wanted him to join willingly so he could be the queen's, you know, beau. Yeah, exactly. You know? And uh, and she just wanted to make a boyfriend. She wanted, yeah, she it's wanted weird a, science a all Borg over friend. Again. Yeah, <laughs> a um, Borg friend. But they don't put like the they don't put all the mechanical crap on data they give him more skin they, so get, they put the human crap he's on got data. more human uh, he, he kind of had a ziggy stardust look with like this uh, swath of red yeah, across no, his face like if david bowie remade uh silence of the lambs yeah you know how come david bowie was never in a star trek i think you he, think he's got to play it he, he's got to make a cameo obvious, as an alien somewhere in but the, it, in the history of star trek maybe right? it's a little too obvious maybe but I don't know. Maybe. I don't You're know. right. I would have loved to see, have seen that. Maybe he wasn't <laughs> a fan of sci-fi. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. <laughs> he's he's more about the, the fi. He's more about the fi, less about the sci? Yeah. Yeah, he's into the fi for He's sure. a fan fi. He's a fan fi. Yeah. I get it. Uh-huh. We'll do some fanfic on some David fan Bowie fiction. doing in the Star Trek fi- sci-fi. Maybe we'll watch fan-fi. Dune. Uh, Sting Ooh, yeah. is another oh, one yeah. that I thought was you in this, saying, actually. You I thought saying, one of the Borg was Sting. It would be great. So wait, a little diversion here. Yeah, I would absolutely. have loved to have seen some of the rockers of the day as cameos, as Borg. No lines, just it pans across a line of Borg and like, there's <laughs> Flea! Oh my God, is that... that that's... what? <laughs> that would have been great, yeah. Uh, but it would probably would have been... Yeah, it would have been all guys like from Pearl Jam and stuff, right? I think Joan Jett would have been great. Joan Jett would have been a great Borg. Well, she would have been great as the main Borg, right? Oh, yeah. Or uh, Debbie Harry. (laughs) Now you're talking. Uh, Yeah, you know, know, it's funny because all the Borg. Sinead O'Connor would have been a great Borg. Now I think of it, all the Borg are definitely dudes. Mm -hmm. Except for the main, uh, you know, Queen Bee here. Yeah. Um, Is that right? I I think they all look androgynous, but most of them Uh, are dudes. I think they're going androgynous. I think think what we're seeing is mostly dudes. And I think that is a plot failing of Mm. the Star Trek universe. The Borg don't care what your gender you are. Yeah. People are people. So why should it be? Do we ever see like a Klingon Borg? Or no, like a, that's another. Well, we kind of do. They a Ferengi they Borg. Put, they make them look so pale and white. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It, maybe. it takes away a lot of their defining characteristics, uh, which I think is the point. That's how they assimilate them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the show, I have seen other races as Borg. Ooh, yeah, that's nice. But this one, they didn't really go out of their way to highlight that. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of Borg. They're yeah. they're, they're mostly uh, day actors. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that part. In uh, speaking of assimilations, but. Uh, if you want to let us know who your favorite rocker as Borg would be, mm. 90s rocker as a Borg, let me know. I, I'm going to say Sammy Hagar as Ooh. a Borg would have been great. I st- I'm going to stick with Flea. Flea Flea would have been a good choice, especially for mid-90s. Yeah. That's right in his wheelhouse. He thing. looks he, like he's he was just in, got a good face for a Borg. Well, he was in movies like, you know, he's in, uh, is he in Point Break, I want to say? I don't know. Or he some beach movie, right? Anyways, yeah. No, he's in, he's in we'll a get few. to flee later. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be our that guy. He'll be our that guy eventually. I know I've got a flee somewhere on Laserdisc. So a couple of great one-liners, and this has plenty of good one-liners. But uh, one of my favorites is Worf. So <laughs> oh yeah, Worf looks at one of the Borg when they're doing their spacewalk, and he says, "Assimilate this." And he shoots him, and the Borg flies off into space, floats away. Uh, assimilate this you knew that it was one of those was like if they don't say assimilate this when they shoot I wanted them, to say assimilate this like five times during the movie so. yeah. and I think they 
they did a pretty good job. I with think it. they could have gotten away with it though. If they had said assimilate this, like if every character would have gotten a chance to say it, you know, and then the guy next to him would be like, I actually said that ten minutes ago. <laughs> He's like Real oh, original Picard. Yeah. <laughs> assimilate this. Uh, actually I said that already. <laughs> oh, assimilate this. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty pretty uh yeah, pretty obvious one, I guess. I think they already did. Low hanging fruit there, yeah. <laughs> assimilate that. So the and the other one is uh that I love, the other one liner is data turns to the Borg Queen after it's discovered that he is not, in fact, one of them, but mm-hmm. he was playing possum the whole time. That data. He looks at her and he says, resistance is futile. Oh, yeah. Throws it back at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love and that. And then he hits the uh, the gas <laughs> The thing. poison gas the tube. Some, somehow, okay, so he hits a poison it's gas tube. in the tube middle of the room with all the people that, for some reason. <laughs> that uh, only destroys, you know, the, the human flesh, but enough yeah. to kill all of the Borg and stays under this nice, like, six-foot level yep. while Picard is climbing around <laughs> on some conveniently placed piping right above the cloud of gas that immediately <laughs> disperses once Data presses a couple more buttons, and it's totally safe for Picard to walk around in. I I love the fact that we are talking about 25th century technology, and they still have tubes and hoses. poisonous gas. Like, like, no, but it's like the hose that he's hanging on is like the same hose I have on my vacuum cleaner. (laughs) It's the exact same. Look, prop masters aren't from the future. I'm just saying. Maybe when you perfect the hose, you 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 stop evolving the tech there. You're like, look, we got it. We don't need to improve on this hose. (laughs) Put it in the starship. (laughs) No one's going to be messing with this. This is a fine dining establishment here. They have full-on holodeck technology, (laughs) warp drive. Uh, I'm going to need a couple of those hoses (laughs) running along here. Make it strong enough for uh, someone to climb on, though. Yeah. Most definitely. We want those secure in there, just in case mm-hmm. we got a yeah, monkey around on them, like a swinging around Let's on a vine. Let's put this uh, poisonous gas tube right in the middle of everything, just so everybody knows where the poisonous gas is. Hey, guys, whatever you do, don't hit the gas tube, all right? We got a lot it's of things. It's got to be glass. Moving parts Clear glass <laughs> so everybody can see where the poisonous gas yeah. is, okay? Yeah, you can definitely tell. It's it's poisonous gas time. Yeah, <laughs> but they at least they had the you know the the goggles. Well, they did nothing. <laughs> they did absolutely nothing. <laughs> See again, the Simpsons already did all so this perfect. stuff. Oh yeah, oh, I love it. Oh my eyes. But so uh, so the they the Borg are stopped. The flight goes off without a hitch. They no hit hitches. warp. They hit warp drive, no problems. They don't even have a moment in the whole f- taking off where it's like, oh, no, something's broken and they have to repair. Like, they, they just count down. Take, take off. off. The guy's got the... He's s- got to play his... Uh, right before, yeah, right before they take off. He's like, it, wait, wait. We was gotta, it Credence? We gotta, what was that? It was, uh, yeah, it was uh, the Magic Carpet Ride song. I will have to look up who exactly sang that. But, yeah, he's he's got his music that goes off without a hitch. And uh, it's just ridiculous. So funny. And then they... So they're blasting the music, right? In the rocket, taking off from the Earth into space. And he goes, you think you could turn that down Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. Oh, that's right. It is Steppenwolf. Yeah. Well, um, I would ask him to turn down the Steppenwolf. Too. Yeah. I prefer the sound of a rocket blasting off. To be quite honest, yeah. The but yeah. So yeah. Somehow Riker and and Jordy are now on the ship that makes history. But uh, they're not they interfering ex- with history. Yeah, they don't explain how that's getting away with not interfering with things. But uh, they do let the first contact on Earth happen without getting in the way of that. They, and big surprise here. Spoiler alert: the first contact of humans to another alien species. Mm-hmm. Vulcans. They were Vulcans. Live long and pasta. They were. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They, they, the Vulcans gave them the old uh, Vulcan hand gesture, and mm-hmm. Cromwell puts it out there. 
He says, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And how are you? You know, a little reciprocation might oh, have been nice and at you first contact. as well. Live long and yeah. uh, no, just no. thanks. Hey, thanks. Appreciate that. Cool story, bro. <laughs> and that's kind of how the, the movie ends with... Uh, the the crew on the ground beaming back up and then they find a way to zap back into their time they go back in the they don't even bother explaining how they got the they time just portals go, to still work they do have the one throwaway line because i was confused about how the vulcans would not have detected them oh yeah in the you brought in, it in up. orbit and then and they're like, like wait the vulcans just didn't know there was another starship just hanging out and then of course they have some line they're like oh yeah no that we didn't use warp so they didn't detect yeah, us then, yeah, they didn't detect us we're golden you know let's wrap this baby up <laughs> no they don't know they I had no idea. Uh, it was kind of, yeah, it's kind of one of those where there's a bit of a, like, a, all right, and then they kind of, they, they disappear, and we... It ends as quickly as it started. Yeah, we end with them kind of uh, drinking on Earth, and it was kind of a weird ending, because usually there's a there's kind of that cathartic or, or triumphant moment of the crew. The kind Act of, 3 is very short. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very short. Yeah. Once this is they, like all Act 2. They beat the Borg, yeah, like you said, the Borg go down in a poisonous cloud. Once the Queen beat gets killed they all, all the die. borg die which, which is a, clearly a is not supposed flaw. to happen yeah it's a huge <laughs> flaw in the borg design that you think they would have thought of you th- well yeah it, it seemed kind of an- antithesis of what the borg is supposed to it's be not which is the collective coll- yeah it just didn't see that's why maybe this isn't the best star trek ever made it's a very good one but the, they might have tried to do too much you know and be and catered too much to the 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 plots and the um, the specific well uh, you got to have uh, a bad guy. traits of yeah. these certain things you know the Borg is kind of that it's kind of a problematic villain because there's no bad guy there's no con there's no right. figurehead right. so they had to give right. you the figurehead for the movie but yeah it doesn't really work but you know it's it's an action movie it's kind of the thing and it that's is what happens with a lot of these Star Trek movies especially the next generation ones and the new ones that are now. Um, in the new timeline or whatever, they they kind of turn into standard action movies. There's a lot of pew pew. There's a lot of literal pew pew, pew, pew. sound effects going on. Uh, there's a lot of lasers. There's a lot of that kind of which just... makes it perfect for laser discourse. Well, that is true. So I don't begrudge them. The I'm lasers. just gonna put this out there. Maybe we expand from talking about laser discs to also including discussions of lasers in general. L- just lasers as like a discourse uh, about lasers. Sure. You know? I mean, I'm pro laser. Or just, how about this? We start a, a spin-off because this is such a popular podcast. I don't know if you guys oh, realize it, you're one of probably dozens of people <laughs> who are listening to this on a semi-ish regular basis. But this has been so popular, we should start a spin-off podcast just and also called Laser Discourse because we would want to maintain the maximum confusion. And it's about lasers in movies. Okay. And we just talk about that. I think we call it light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation discourse. <laughs> That's the acronym for laser. But So it's laser discourse, but there's just dots in between every yeah. letter of laser for... What's your favorite stimulated one? light, Nick? I, you <laughs> know, amplification. I, I'm sorry, I like light amplification. The, uh, I like the Return of the Jedi lightsaber. Oh, yeah. But I'm not uh, opposed to, uh, you know, a, um, a green... Uh, uh, blast from um, you know one of the other Jedi. Ooh, what about uh, were a they Yoda. lasers in uh, in Mars Attacks when they kind of shoot them and turn them into instant skeletons? Mm-hmm. Those are pretty intense mm-hmm. lasers. Great. See, this is already happening. Shake we have to bait. save all this gold, Charlie. Okay, great. Find <laughs> us on our other podcast, Light Amplification by Stimulated Electronic Radiation Emission or something. And, discourse. Uh, <laughs> discourse. 
And until then, uh, resistance is futile. We'll be right back. 